How we doing? I still can't hear you. How about now? Oh, All right, that's weird. 
There we go. Whatever works. All right. Whatever works. We had about a good solid four minutes of dead air, so that was cool. But um, <laughs> the cool thing about this app that I found out is that it automatically trims dead air, so I don't have to do anything. That's absolutely perfect. Yeah, the only the only problem I think I ran into was I, I was re-listening to parts to clip some of the sound bites from last week. And it sounded like your your voice was on a delay. I think it may have just been the app confused itself at times and started cutting things when it shouldn't have. But either way, it still sounded all right. Well, you know what? All right is good enough. We're just starting out with this app. We'll, we'll take what we can yes. get and then work with it later. Yes, absolutely. Uh, give me one second. All right. So since you and I are big sports gambling fans and we live in the state of Ohio. Hi, that's my mother. Hi, mom. Um, sports gambling was just le- technically legalized in Ohio today. Um, the bill passed through the Senate, the House, and now Mike DeWine. It's, it's a weird process because it said Mike DeWine is expected to sign it in the coming days. I What's stopping him from signing it like tomorrow or like right now? I I have no idea. It's it's funny because there was a report recently that it, like January 1 of 2023 was the gold date. And now all of a sudden it appears the latest yeah, data. And now it appears like it's going to be way quicker than that. But I, I don't know what all kind of hoops they have to jump through. So – I mean, this has been something that's been on the table for uh, y- years. years. So I, ima- years, I, exactly. I imagine that everybody involved is well-versed on all the ins and outs. Uh, they're all very knowledgeable about the history of the bill, of the various bills that have been pushed. So I don't think this should be something – well, in my imagination, this shouldn't be something that takes a tremendous amount of time because I imagine that Governor DeWine would either know instantly whether he likes it or doesn't like it. So I'm with you. I don't know what would take a few days to sign and review. I don't know if he has, if there's a bunch of new information that he has to read. I imagine that he would be up to speed on all the ins and outs of this, but that may not be correct. But regardless, yeah. in the coming days, it should be. It should be. We're heading to the final step. That was the tweet, right? Is that there's one more step and then we're good? The only step that remains is Mike DeWine has to sign it, which he's going to. Um, it, 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 like, I think the final vote was like 72 to 12. Like, it passed with flying colors. But the bill oh, yeah. allows pro sports teams, casinos, racinos, and apparently even amusement parks to host their own sports book on, on their property. So Cedar point, baby. <laughs> that's what I said. If I can throw in a couple bets on the top throw dragster, that'd be awesome. Yeah. But, um, I, I don't, I don't really know why pro teams would want like a, well, I know why, cause you know, money, but a, a sports book in a, in like the Brown <laughs> yeah. stadium, I don't know how much sense that actually makes. Because um, if I can just do it on my phone too, what? Why would I spend like a hundred bucks to go to a, on like a brown stick? It's just to go in the sports book. I could just place bets on my phone. 
Well, here's my concern being someone who's attended many Ohio State football games. Um, okay. I think that the reliability of in stadium Wi Fi is an immediate issue. Uh, that's something that I've. That's, that's something that's that a, I've really definitely struggled with. Even even though I think it was either this year or maybe the 2019 season where Ohio State, their big preseason selling point to come to the games was that they fixed all the Wi-Fi. And lo and behold... That was 2019. Well, lo and behold... Because it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I remember my freshman year, 2017 season tickets. You couldn't, you couldn't get a bar. Like you couldn't, there was no way that you could no. possibly access out. Cause obviously I was, I'm a, me being the Notre Dame fan. I was trying to look up Notre Dame scores like during commercial breaks. And I, so I had to rely on the scoreboard for the rotating yeah. scores. So I was tremendously displeased with that. And then this year went to the Ohio state Oregon game and it only worked 50% of the time. And I, I heard, I heard, that I heard them mention it on 97.1 The Fan here in Columbus. So clearly this was not an issue just for me. The Wi-Fi was checking in and out constantly. So my big concern with uh, mobile sports betting in the arenas is the reliability of the Wi-Fi. That's something that I know certain uh, I, I, issues that I've had with Ohio State. So I got to imagine that that would be right. my skepticism. Uh, with that, and I with PNC Park, the Wi-Fi isn't awesome, but it's better. So I just uh, my I, I would definitely be in favor of having a live sports book attached to the stadium. I know Wrigley Field already has it; they've been doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, you something. can't bet on uh, in Chicago. You can't bet on Chicago college teams. Yes, I uh, Indiana is the same way. You cannot. There are certain states where you can't gamble on in-state collegiate activities because that's right. – I guess they're worried that you will have too many connections. So if you're in, if you're in Indiana, you can't – if I went to Indiana, I could not gamble on the Notre Dame game. Now, I would not want to do that anyway because the worst-case scenario – or this is not the worst-case scenario, but the the biggest knife-in-the-heart moment is when – your team wins, but they don't cover. So you're going home, like feeling all kinds of different ways about yourself. Uh, oh. I, so my strategy is don't, don't either fade your favorite team or just don't bet on your favorite team. Um, but yeah, I, uh, in stadium casinos and sports books, I'm definitely in favor of that because I definitely have concerns about in stadium Wi-Fi. Yeah. Progressive Field actually has pretty good Wi-Fi, so that won't be too much of an issue because I have placed many a bet in that stadium. <laughs> um, I, t- I, I went to a game against the Tigers earlier this past season, and it was like Cleveland was like minus one and a half because that's all baseball run lines are is minus one or plus one and a half. Um, and I bet Cleveland minus one and a half because it was like plus 120. And Cleveland beat them like seven to nothing. And come to find out that Detroit's original starting pitcher didn't pitch in that game, so the bet didn't cash. So I was kind of pissed about that. But um, That's it, it's, the worst. A, it's a thrill to go to be at a sports game and have a bet on that game. It, it's just it's it's uh, an unimaginable. Thrill. It changes the game. It is. Uh, I, I I'm trying to go to a Cavs game here soon, and I would love to place a bet. On the Cavs, because the Cavs, um, 
a little known fact or widely known fact because of what all people are talking about. They're the best team against the spread in the NBA this year. Well, I'll tell you what, there's concern about that holding up because they're about to lose a key piece to the Finnish military. Yeah, um, we can define key different ways, but um, Lori <laughs> Markinen is certainly on the team. Um, Cavs are winning by 10 right now. I'm watching them. <laughs> it's funny. I'm watching them because I don't get Bally Sports uh, with our YouTube TV, and that's where the cat that's where the Cavs are broadcasted. So I have to like look up streams and I started doing it on my PlayStation. And like this pl- I've had this PlayStation the day before I went off to my first day of college was the day I bought this PlayStation. So I've had it for what now like 5 years. Uh, it's on its last legs. So Bally Sports needs to figure something out figure something out quickly because if I don't think I'm going to make it through this Cavs season looking up stream east or crack streams without giving my PlayStation the clap one or two times. Yeah, that's right. You're uh you might have some viruses just flowing through oh, every single my information is everywhere <laughs> every at this point. Electronic device that you have. Your TV's just gonna crap out because oh, it's, of all the streams. This is an old TV too. I have an old TV too. It still works fine. I'll tell you what, another thing that's extra interesting especially at a, at a baseball game because the base every i don't want to say every but to my knowledge most mlb stadiums have the scoreboard for every single game going on that day and they actively update the scoreboard that is also fun to bet on yeah because you are in between pitches you're always going directly to the scoreboard to see what you're missing yeah yeah of course progressive field they have a great because they have that big wall. And wait, do they have LED on? No, they don't. Do they? Uh, you would know better. I don't think they. Way. I don't know why I thought I did, but they actually they they have like a bunch of LED screens everywhere that are just strictly that. No, they have to have. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Have I, an I LED think so. Yeah, on the left field wall. Let me see. Yeah, let me so. let me pull this up because. It may be a new a new thing, but I don't know why. Left field wall. Yeah, they do. Okay. Um, yeah, they got a giant ass scoreboard right above it anyway. But they always have the scores going. But um, <laughs> yeah, so sports betting will be here. I saw I saw the same thing you saw where it's um, it's latest the latest that it's going to. Uh, launch is the first of 2023, which would suck because then we would miss, which we're, we're probably going to miss this entire March Madness anyway. But we're going to miss, miss March Madness and we're going to miss another full football season, which would suck. And I lost you again. I can't remember. Oh, there you are. Oh, yeah, that would be that. I don't, I don't want to say that defeats the purpose because that's certainly not the case, but. Those are the two – I hate to use this term. Those are the two Super Bowls of sports betting. So that is – Yeah, they would have I, a Super Bowl. That, so Bovada is going to have one last go around for, for old time's sake. I'm so sick of Bovada. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, so sick. It, about how you can't wait to... I'm so sick of them. It's, it's just, I, I just feel dirty every time I use it. I don't know why. I just feel like I did something wrong. I just feel <laughs> like I did something wrong. But – um. They're, they're, and it's the same with all these offshore books. The, the odds are not in your favor because they know that the people using offshore books are desperate. 
or not desperate, but this is their only option unless they have somebody in a state that's legal. But um, I don't like doing that or a bookie. And I would rather never talk to a bookie ever. So. Yeah, it's not fun. Don't do it. <laughs> no, I would never want. I, I always see your Snapchat stories about oh, the bookies going unpaid this week. But um, uh, yeah, there was a there was one this week who uh, who may have gotten stiffed. Yeah, but yeah, being a bookie is it's a brutal line of work. It's there's no worse feeling than seeing that Venmo request. <laughs> I bet there's a better it, feeling. Just delete your Venmo. Uh, yeah, that that might be the way to go. Yeah, but uh, let's talk. Let's talk some college football, why don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. So we had the um, the uh, championship Saturday, which was kind of boring, but outside of the Big Twelve game. But um, the playoff is set. We got Alabama, Cincinnati, and we got Michigan, Georgia. Actually, the two teams that were not supposed to make it this year, Michigan and Cincinnati, both made history. Cincinnati, the first group of five to ever make the playoff. And Michigan is the first uh, team to start the season unranked to make it. It's crazy because heading into this year, it was the – can you believe that they brought back Jim Harbaugh and they didn't just let him go? And it was – with Ohio State not playing Michigan last year, this was the – uh, was it last year where they said they were going to hang a hundred on them, and then the game just never got played? Yes, allegedly. Uh, oh, I, I thought he said that in like a, a press conference. I had no idea that he. That it's, those were the rumors. Oh, there's no proof, but but I it just it, Michigan. I thought was just cursed. I thought they just couldn't beat the uniform. I I thought no matter what. I, this is completely the irrational college football fan of me. I genuinely thought I would never see them beat Ohio State again for the rest of my life. I was just like, there's – I'm like, there's no way. Even when things go their way, and we, I, I bring up these two games all the time, 2016, 2018. 2016, they should have won because they were actually the better team on the field. They just found, they just made like two or three mistakes that blew the game. Correct. And then 2018, they actually entered the game Correct. with a better team. And still lost. Now there were a few variables that went their way. They were home this time, obviously. Um, their offensive line was a lot better this season than it has been in recent history. So they were just like moving Ohio State. Yes. But they, they, I just seriously thought this team was absolutely cursed. And lo and behold, they ran through Ohio State. And I, I'll tell you this, and I, I'm not trying to make this more than it was. For the first half of that game against Iowa, I thought Iowa actually had a decent shot to make it a game because the second quarter, which I'm pretty sure there were zero points scored in the second quarter. It was a boring quarter of football, but Iowa controlled field position for the entire quarter. They were now the problem was neither offense was doing anything. So Iowa was at midfield. They wouldn't do anything. They would punt Michigan inside their own 10. Michigan wouldn't do anything. They would punt it back to the 50 yard line. Iowa wouldn't do anything. They punt Michigan back inside their 10. So Iowa had control of the field position for the entire second quarter. And they were only, you know, put that in air quotes, only down 11. So if they were able to just get in field goal range, and keep in mind, their opening drive, they missed a field goal. So if they made that field goal, then the first quarter would have ended 14-6. to six. And if they just capitalized on one of those uh, second quarter drives where they had great field position the entire time, and then 
let's say they let's just say, uh, well, that'd be fourteen to twelve if they scored a touchdown, and then let's say they go for two and got it. Now halftime's fourteen fourteen. That's fourteen fourteen. It's a completely different story. So Iowa really had chances in the first half and was never able to capitalize. And then at that point, it was just the the air was completely out of the tire. And then Michigan was able to just run up the score and just completely demoralize Iowa. But this is Michigan's year. Now, the problem is they got a team who plays a lot like them, but is better. So I I don't really like the matchup yes. for Michigan because Georgia no, lost to Alabama. So now Georgia drops to number three. I think Georgia's been known to be an interior team. They have a strong running game with about three solid running backs that they can hit you with. They have a really good front seven. They have a really good offensive line. And that's kind of also the identity of Michigan. So those are really similar. But Georgia definitely has the better perimeter athletes. So I think Georgia, no doubt, I won't say that no doubt they'll win, but no doubt we're all expecting them to win. I don't think anybody or I at least haven't talked to anybody. Now, people in the state of North may disagree, but I haven't talked to anybody who thinks Michigan's pulling an upset here. So I, I think that – and then there were some people who thought – who were questioning whether or not Georgia would even be in the top four. They're like, oh, did you see they just lost by 17? Are they that even going to make it? I'm like, are we just going to let one week – now, I know we do this with the Heisman Trophy, and we could talk about this in a little bit. But are we seriously going to let one week completely erase 12 weeks of football? No. So Georgia is in the right spot. They, I think, because they lost. Now, I, I'll tell you this. I, I would have had no problem with them at two because it also wouldn't have made a difference. Honestly, at that point, just the college football committee, the college football playoff committee should just be rigging it. So whichever uniform matchup would be better, that's what we would get. Um that, so that's what they should be doing but between the two versus the three, in my opinion, at least. But uh, I, have, I, I haven't put any thought into which, which home uniform versus away uniform would, would be better between Michigan and Georgia, but that's, that should be priority number one. But uh, I, I, despite mm. all of Michigan's success this year, and they have really built themselves a foundation to jump off of. Um, now, granted, I think they're losing a few offensive linemen. Uh, to the NFL, I think they have uh, an old offensive line that's not going to bode well for them for the future. However, they've still been able to rebuild their reputation. I, I'm not calling the Michigans back because I don't think doing it once is enough for me to consider you to be some sort of dynasty. Uh, I mean, look at the Philadelphia Eagles after they won the Super Bowl. They've completely unraveled. And Ohio State leading up to that point, had won, I believe, four straight Big Ten championships. And if, Big, if Ohio State wins the Big Ten championship next year, no one's going to be talking about that 2020, uh, that 2021 Michigan Big Ten championship. So they have done a lot for themselves, and they have a lot to build on moving forward. They're, they're going to have to go through a little bit of rebuild, which may be difficult, but they do have a really good young quarterback, J.J. Yeah. McCarthy, who's going to be with them for a couple more years, and that's going to be really exciting for them. Uh, I think that their magical run comes to an end against Georgia, but I still hats off to Michigan for the season they had. They should be really proud of themselves. Yeah, I, I didn't have much faith in them. Um, I didn't think Cade McNamara would be good enough to 
because I knew that I knew that they were solid up front. They had the good running back duo of Haskins and Corum. But at some point, you're going to need your quarterback to pass to beat a team through the air. And Cade McNamara hasn't really had to do that this year. So I'm not saying Michigan isn't impressive, but they kind of they kind of they're not going to beat Georgia just straight up running the football. It's not going to happen. Alabama wouldn't have been able to do it. No team has ever been able to do it. There's a reason Georgia is the best defense in the country. Uh, they just got exposed against Alabama. And speaking of Alabama, um, go to that game. Alabama, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is plus 14. Last time I checked, I'm assuming they're still there. Let's see. That's a ridiculous line, let's be honest. Well, well what would you have it at? Uh, a lot closer to 20, if not in the 20s. Take into, I was, take into account also that the college football playoff has a huge issue with blowouts as it is, and I don't see Alabama and Cincinnati somehow bucking that yeah. trend. Uh, I, I just don't think it's a very good matchup for Alabama. I don't think they're going to lose to Cincinnati. I would rather this spread reach like 17. That's where I was expecting it. I was kind of wishing. I hope it gets up to there because Alabama minus 14 over a group of five is in nine times out of 10 is a ridiculous line. But <laughs> it's disrespectful. It is, but um, Alabama, John Mechie's out for the year. Um, outside of him is Slade Bolton and um, a couple five stars that nobody that'll turn into Heisman winners in the coming years. But, um, and then Jameson Williams, obviously <laughs> torched Georgia and has torched everyone. Um, but Cincinnati has the two, I, whenever we talk about Cincinnati, I always talk about them. Uh, Ahmad Gardner, who's going to be the first, is going to be a first round pick and arguably the first corner off the board in the draft. And Kobe Bryant, uh, who is going to probably be a day two pick. Um, they can they can put all their attention on Jamison Williams and just say, "Hey, beat us with anybody else," because their running game is not strong this year. The offensive line's fine; uh, it's weak in terms of the Alabama offensive line. Bryce Young's obviously going to win the Heisman, but um, and the defense is the fr- if unless I don't think there's a statistical way this happens, but unless there, this would be the first year since Nick Saban's first year in Alabama that a defense would allow 20-plus points per game, which is an absolutely insane stat. Um, but it's just because since it, Alabama has looked worse, has looked bad, I should say, against worse teams than Cincinnati. And just the whole John Mechie thing kind of throws their offense in a loop because obviously they all they both have a month to game plan, so, and I'm sure Nick Saban – uh, could come up with something. He's come up with something, what, seven times now uh, to win seven national championships so yeah. or something like that. But um, I just think it's a little bit – I think Cincinnati – people aren't giving Cincinnati enough of a chance, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they're going to be just obnoxious enough and just enough of a matchup mismatch just because of Cincinnati's strengths, the quarterback – and the defensive secondary, uh, just to give Alabama some fits. It won't. I think Alabama eventually will pull away, maybe in the fourth quarter. But Cincinnati plus fourteen is pretty strong, in my opinion. Um, and 
Go ahead. I am absolutely snoozing. I, I'm hitting the snooze button on the alarm every single time on Cincinnati. Uh, Ahmad Gardner is going to have absolute nightmares trying to guard, uh, trying to guard Jamison Williams and keep that fast-footed man in front of him. Uh, he, I have a prediction that Sauce Gardner is going to look like AJ Terrell covering Jamar Chase in the national championship, trying to stay in front of mm. Jamison Williams. I, I have no idea. And look, I know that Ohio State's receiver room is wicked talented. But I look at Jamison Williams on the field and I'm watching him and I'm just like, how was this guy the like barely the number three receiver at Ohio State? Because this guy is just so fast. And if you just get if you get him the ball, he is so hard. His yeah. footwork is so great. He's like Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs combined. His footwork is so great, and he just runs like a deer. I don't understand how – now, I don't think he's better necessarily, although he might be. I don't think he's better than Garrett Wilson because I think Garrett Wilson is really good with the acrobatic catches through traffic. But – and this is going to offend a lot of people because Chris Olave is one of the most most heralded Buckeyes ever in recent history at least uh, – but I, I don't. I don't see how Jamison Williams is worse than Chris Olave. I and this is partially because Chris Olave, aside from being just a really consistent, a uh, consistent producer, I, I've never looked at Chris Olave and thought, "Wow, that's one of the most athletic guys that we have in college football." I, I mean, he just he ca- he catches passes that are thrown to him, and he he looks yeah. good doing it. But I, I, uh, James Jamison Williams looks like an athletic freak on the football field. So. I think that he's going to have a big day just because, especially now, this, now he has Devontae Smith syndrome because his, 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 it's almost like his competition just eliminated itself. John Mechie, who he's had plenty of, plenty of games this year where he's been the guy. Um, he, he had a big game against Arkansas just a few weeks ago. So I think James mm-hmm. Williams is going to have a good day. Another, another thing to point out is that in this game – Aside from the be- aside from the fact that we learned that Stetson Bennett was a fun story, who is no longer a fun story because uh, he just could not compete with Bryce Young on the football field. That was that was embarrassing. Yeah, no. But I think that an underrated storyline of that game was how well Alabama's offensive line handled Georgia's front seven because that's not something that we've really seen Georgia struggle with. Yeah, was. Uh, they haven't struggled with getting to the quarterback. They they did against Bryce Young. Uh, it's not like Alabama. It's not like Alabama ran the ball tremendously well. They didn't just run it down their throats, but they weren't being stuffed behind the line of scrimmage. So Alabama's offensive line played a really a really really good game, especially when you take into account the defense on the other side. So I think Alabama's offense is coming off one of the most impressive performances of the season all things considered. And it's hard for me to believe that Cincinnati has the Jimmys and Joes on the defensive side of the ball to contain them. Mixed into this situation, by the way, I don't know if you saw these stats, but someone someone texted them to me. And, and this was egregious. And this is one of my issues with the Heisman Trophy about how it's a, like a, a, a two-week award nowadays. But have you seen this, the stat comparison between Will Anderson and Aiden Hutchinson? 
I'm assuming Will Anderson just absolutely blows them out of the water. Yes, in tackles and sacks, in sack yardage, and in tackles for loss, they are all noticeably in Will Anderson's favor. So will, it's hard for me to believe that Cincinnati also has the guys in the offensive line who can keep him at bay. So I, I, I just think that talent is going to win out. I know that it, that's that's almost like committing a sin in the state of Ohio to – possibly denigrate Cincinnati and treat them like they're anything less than a power five stud of a franchise. But look, this has been the issue with the Notre Dames of the world. And I have no shame admitting that I can fully admit it. Sometimes you just don't have it. Well, I, I am, I am going to be ashamed of Brian Kelly somehow went to championship at LSU. I will be incredibly ashamed and heartbroken. Mm. Now, I, I, if that happens, we're going to have huge problems. But I have no problem admitting that sometimes the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world just have better players than you do, and that's going to be the case in this game. And I, and as I mentioned, the college football playoff already has a tremendous issue with blowouts. I have no reason to believe that Cincinnati is somehow going to be the exception to that rule, especially going up against an Alabama team who just put up a three-score victory over who we all knew heading into this week was the consensus number one. And I, I get the only case I guess would be if Alabama somehow falls asleep at the wheel, or maybe maybe a ridiculous yeah, which they have. That, that yeah. that's my whole point is they have fallen asleep at the wheel against lesser teams. That's just, that's the reason I'm I wouldn't take Cincinnati plus fourteen because the factor of just the, the talent will eventually take over in like the third or fourth quarter. Um, and like Cincinnati could be trailing that game for by seven points the whole way, and then Alabama just puts up two touchdowns and puts it away. So that's why I wouldn't take Cincinnati plus fourteen. I would take them plus seventeen if it ever got that way. I don't think it. I don't know. Three, a three point swing is a pretty massive swing, but again, we still have just under a month, so anything could happen. But uh, what if say because we're all expecting Alabama Georgia in the championship game again. Um, my thing is because Georgia was six and a half point favorites in the SEC championship game. Uh, if both teams, if, if, if Georgia and Alabama rematch in the championship game, and just for the sake of they both just cover the spread and they don't blow these teams out, like Alabama wins by 14, Georgia wins by nine. Um, what the spread in the championship game? Do you think it would be favor Georgia or Alabama? Because I still think it would favor Georgia. I think it would favor Alabama. Uh, well, let me, let me say this: I think that fans would expect it to favor Alabama, given what took yeah. place in the SEC championship game. Now, we've seen many times before where the spread comes out, and we look at it like, "Huh? Like that doesn't make any sense." And I, I, I think that Georgia. It's still a really good team who could beat Alabama five out of ten times. I think that heading into that game against Alabama, I was more likely to believe that it was like Georgia eight, Alabama two. But Alabama looked like they had enough talent. And I and this is a weird thing to say, but I thought I thought that Alabama was gonna get out talented tremendously in that game, and they weren't. So I am, I am now giving Alabama more respect. And again, this whole Alabama underdog role is completely foreign to me, so I feel weird talking about this. But I I think that 
Alabama would be the favorite. I, I'll say this either way. I think it's close. I, I don't think just because I, I don't think just because Georgia was the consensus number one all season yeah. long makes them a tremendous favorite. Um, even though I did pick them minus six and a half, but knowing what we know now, I, I also don't think that Alabama winning by seventeen makes them a tremendous favorite. I think this is going to be an incredibly close football game, and I'll say this: it's, it's going to be hard to to complain about how regional this championship is because I think we can all see now now maybe Michigan just maybe it all comes together and Michigan puts together their A plus performance of the season and they have it just firing on all cylinders and maybe they pull an upset uh because they're they're certainly a talented team, but I, I still think Georgia wins. But it is gonna be really hard for me to see because we saw this before a couple of years, back in 2017 when Alabama and Georgia played and Clemson was also in the playoffs and we saw a bunch of complaining all across the nation about how college football is too regionalized. I don't know how you can complain about that this year because these are, in my opinion, far and away, noticeably the top two teams in the country. Yes. I'm very the best part about streaming Cavs games is they don't have commercials, so they just kind of show whatever they show at like during media timeouts on like the jumbo jumbotron. It's at halftime, and right now I'm watching some wheelchair basketball. And (laughs) they got to. I mean, double dribbles everywhere, but it's the boys are putting (laughs) up a good fight, good layup there. But um, yeah, it's it's also gonna be interesting to see because this. It's not going to be a home game for Georgia, but it's in Miami. Obviously, Georgia's closer to Miami than Michigan is, so that'll factor into it. Um, the Cotton Bowl, um, I don't, I don't really know where Dallas is in terms of where where it is in Texas. So I don't know. Obviously, Alabama has is closer to Texas, but still, like Texas is like. 30 hours long like it would take you 30 hours to drive from point to point so yeah, yeah. 30 hours is a new unit of measurement but um yeah um let's uh, yeah let's get to these new year six games then um oh yeah i can't wait to barely pay attention to them. yeah i can't wait for that baylor Ole Miss sugar bowl oh yeah i can't i can't wait for um Let's see, what do we got here? We got Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. We got Ohio State and Utah. Can't wait for that one. Um, Baylor, Ole Miss. (laughs) Who does Pitt play? Michigan State. Michigan State. State. If Kenny Pickett doesn't play, I might not acknowledge that game exists. Question, question. If if Kenny – That he's making it to New York. If Kenny Pickett doesn't do the fake slide, is he going to – is he a Heisman finalist? I don't think he is. Uh well, it's funny that you asked that question because it sounds silly, but it's kind of legitimate because I seriously think that these Heisman Trophy voters only watch the last game of the season. So there's a there's a, there's a legit yeah. chance that that highlight may have been just so overwhelmingly awesome that all these people are like, "Whoa, I guess this guy's better than I thought," because you know that they're not actually watching his games. Um, legit question. Don't know the oh, answer, but I'm glad that you asked it. Uh, Kenneth Walker clearly, um, apparently, ha- apparently playing an yeah, awesome eleven games, but having two bad games. Well, having one bad game and one, Can't one uh, Big Ten championship game that was just non-existent for him. Uh, but apparently, that's just illegal to send in New York. 
Well, they have to have Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, yes. yes. The third best, fourth best defensive player in the country. They have to have <laughs> Yeah, he's, he, he is really good. And uh, yeah, he's really it, good. it would be the most gotcha, like hoodwinked, bamboozled moment ever if he got drafted by the Lions because he would be, oh, the Michigan guy, the hometown guy, just to have his career ruined by that horrendous ownership and that horrendous organization. Yeah, I mean, he could have like 10 sacks against Aaron Rodgers and they would still be down by 30. So, oh, this dude just yeah, ex- exactly. Let's go. Dude, just there sharpshooter. Let's go. This That's is, what we need. This is extremely entertaining. Wheelchair basketball. Oh, answering back. Nope. Clank. Um... Yeah, the um Oh yeah, uh, which game are you most looking forward to despite the fact that we just mocked all of them? Yeah. Uh yeah, listen. I obviously probably Ohio State just cuz I like watching Ohio State cuz I'm a fan if you haven't noticed. But um I I'm not going to get the Jews are not going to flow for Ohio State versus Utah. I like Utah. I like watching Utah. Utah's made me a lot of money this year. I'm not going to get pumped up for Ohio State versus Utah in the Rose Bowl. I'm just not going. Well, I don't. I don't blame you, especially with Utah. It's not a traditional Pac-12 powerhouse where you think of either Washington or Oregon or ideally USC. Which give it a couple years and maybe, but it's not. It's not a program or any sort of. Like bowl, like even a bowl game rivalry, like Ohio State and Clemson obviously only play each other a few times out of the past seven years, but they've developed a little bit of a rivalry just throughout bowl games. Obviously, Alabama and Clemson have too. It's hard, and they're not even a traditional Pac-12 school. Like if Arizona somehow made it, somehow made it to the to the Rose Bowl. They've been they no. were in the Pac eight, I think. I, okay, I forget which two schools made the Pac eight, the Pac ten, but they were in the Pac ten. They are now in the Pac twelve, so they they feel like they at least belong. Maybe not belong in the Rose Bowl, but they belong in that conference. I it's hard it's hard for me to expect Buckeye fans to get all riled up about Utah when the most intriguing aspect of Ohio State versus Utah is that. Urban Meyer coached both of these teams and was once really good with both of them. So, sure I don't did. blame you. Now, I think it's going to be a, a good game because Utah's really good at running the football and Ohio State's really bad at stopping the run. So, I think that this could, that despite the fact that Ohio State's tremendously more talented than Utah, I think, and I think a lot of people agree with me, I think that the matchup is just so perfect that it might accidentally be a really good game. And I think Ohio State fans, despite the fact that they're disappointed, I think they're all going to watch. And I think that they might – and if it's a close game, I think they're all going to get caught up in it, either hate oh, yeah. watching their yeah. team talking about how bad they are or really finding themselves rooting hard for them. Now, I don't think that winning the Rose Bowl and seeing Ryan Day with a, a rose hanging out of his mouth, I don't think that's going to really fire up Buckeye fans. But I think they're going to be interested in the game. And I, I think it might accidentally be a really good game. No, not not at all. 
This game is going the second the clock hits zero. This game is going to be erased from my memory. <laughs> hey, hey nobody's wa- nobody in Ohio has watched more Utah football this year than you. That 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 is probably a fact. Honestly, I stayed up <laughs> on a Friday night. Uh, Utah versus Stanford. Utah won like eighty three hundred to nothing. Uh, they were outgaining Stanford by like five hundred yards at going into halftime. I, that's not even an exaggeration. But um, I just ten, started at ten thirty. Watched the whole damn thing. But, uh, no, I really do. I do like Utah, but of course I'm going to watch it. It's the only game on on New Year's Day at 5 o'clock. So that's – I'm going to watch it. Ohio State's favored by six and a half. Absolutely not going to bet this because I – first of all, there is no incentive for Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and anybody else who's going pro to play in this game. There's just no incentive at all. So, yeah, I, I don't expect those two to play, and I'm – I. I'll be excited to watch players like Emeka Abuka, Julian Fleming, and Marvin Harrison Jr. step up if Olave and Wilson don't uh, play. And then again, Olave should be playing on Sundays this year, but he decided not to. So who knows? But and they're dra- they're going to be day one picks. It's going to be um, it's it's going to be Wilson. I, I'm not ranking them, but the four the four best receivers. It's going to be. Wilson, Olave, Traylon Burke from Arkansas, and Jameson Williams. Um, so there, there's no incentive to play. Ohio State has a lot of players on the offensive line. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's a meh game. I'm gonna watch it, but um, the game that I, I guess the New Year's Six game that I'm most excited to watch would be Baylor and Ole Miss. I get I like Ole Miss. Really? I love them. That has to be the most underwhelming Rose or Sugar Bowl that we've possibly had in our lives. There's no way. Well, I, I'm not going to get pumped up for Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. I'm not. I'm just not going to. I'm not going to get pumped. Right, up well, the, I, I I can give you a reason why. Because okay. your defensive coordinator is coaching against Notre Dame. Is he coaching? Yeah. So he, he's got to coach against Notre Dame and then go coach against them next year, week one. That's true. That's a fair point. Um, Which I am the, appalled that that's taking place. I would love it if he just went to Columbus right now and just did not watch. Yeah, I, I get. Yeah, but still, like Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, it's not going to. It's not. It, none of these New Year's Six games really get the juices flowing. I just love Old Miss and I love Lane Kiffin. That's why I'm excited to watch Old Miss. And the Sugar Bowl is like traditionally awesome every year. I don't know why; it just always is. Um, <laughs> Arkansas, Penn State's interesting. I have no idea why Penn State's favored. Um, minus yeah, two, what the heck? Minus one, Arkansas is way better. Yeah, minus one and a half. What game is that? The Outback Bowl is it? I just made that up. Nah, I, I think I the, Outback the Outback Bowl is Kentucky, it- Iowa. Uh, I, I know that it's Big Ten SEC. No, it's, no Penn State. No, it's Penn State Arkansas. The cit- the Citrus Bowl is Iowa Kentucky. Oh yes, silly. I feel like the Citrus Bowl is bigger though. Why would I don't know? Iowa. What's I don't want to watch time... Iowa do anything. What's upon a time I thought the Citrus Bowl was a New Year's Six Bowl, but I don't think they got played on New Year's Day. Well, all right. We got peach cotton, and we got sugar rose orange, and uh, sugar, sugar rose, rose orange peach cotton. I'm missing one. 
Fiesta. Oh, Notre Dame. Let's go. Fiesta. Fiesta. Well, I, I, I'm kind of – I'm a little bit – okay, I'm not that upset. But it would have been cool if Wake Forest beat Pitt, so that way Kenneth Walker could have gone up against his old team. That would have been cool. That would have been, like, yeah. the tra- the, like, one of the coolest transfer portal moments. Like, welcome to the transfer portal era. You're playing against your it's old great. team. Speaking um, of which, Ohio State's having a transfer portal problem right now. Because apparently Peyton Manning good. just oh. left. Yeah, um, good thing we have C.J. Stroud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good thing you Dwayne have a Heisman Trophy finalist who's already there. Listen, I like C.J. Stroud. The numbers are damning, though. He is extremely awesome when the pocket is free. He is extremely bad when the pocket is collapsing and he has to run or he has to get out of the pocket. He really? Is horrible. Do Do you remember that throw against Oregon where he it was late no. in the game? And he was flushed out of the pocket, and he was running, and he just, like, sailed it 10 yards over Chris Olave's head straight into the Oregon defender's hands. Listen, he did a lot of that against Oregon. <laughs> uh, he, did, he did plenty. He did more than his fair share of that against Oregon. If you watch Bryce Young, he is so good at improvising when the play breaks down. Yes. Have, have you seen him do those plays where he looks like he's about to run and like right before he crosses the line of scrimmage, he turns and throws it and then it's like a 10-yard game? Yeah, I wish Ohio State could do that. <laughs> well, hey, look, to CJ Stroud's defense, I, I, and I, I'm not going to begrudge him for having a good offensive line because that's not his fault, and I'm sure every quarterback ever would want that. But I think, and I think this is kind of a drawback for Ohio State quarterbacks is that their lives are really, really easy in college, and then when they go to the NFL, they're really, really not easy. So they're tr- they're typically behind a really good offensive line with really good yeah. receivers, and yeah. Um, although Fields. I will say this, any any rookie quarterback not named Mac Jones is really bad this year, and I think we need to reconsider this whole discussion about. And I've always been a guy who's wanted rookie quarterbacks to play, but after this year, with the way that things are going with Fields and Trevor Lawrence mm. and Zach Wills, I'm like, you know what? It, oh, Trevor Lawrence is terrible. They, he has been <laughs> terrible. And his defense, he, his offensive a, game plan is uh, not great either. He's he's had a couple decent games lately, but he um, on the season he's completing fifty eight percent of his passes. Uh, not great. Uh, Bad. Nine Bad. touchdowns, ten interceptions, and a five point nine yards per attempt. That's that's terrible. Pretty bad. Um, he has I, not uh, had a multi touchdown game since week one where he threw three touchdowns and three interceptions. That's sounded good for a second. (laughs) Yeah. um, Mac Jones, though. You want to talk about lighting up the scoreboard on Monday Night Football. (laughs) That's how you do it. Two for three for 13 yards. Mm -hmm. And they won. That's just... I can't believe a quarterback... That's the Navy offense. Yeah, a quarterback in the year 2021 that doesn't play for Navy or Army could throw for 13 yards and their team wins. Well, I don't know, man. Did you see Army against Wake Forest? They were airing it out for 56 points. They, I don't know. Even Army in 2021 is, is willing to throw the football. 
Yeah, I had the over in that game, and it was oh, and it went over in like the, the first, first ten minutes. It was awesome. <laughs> that game was seven. It was awesome. Like, it was crazy. Every time I looked down because I was watching a different game, it was like, oh, seventy-five yard touchdown for Wake Forest, eighty yard touchdown for Army, ninety-five yard <laughs> right touchdown for Wake Forest, like back to back. It was crazy. It was one of the easiest overs that I've was, ever seen. <laughs> I got, I got to imagine that's that was awesome. Um, yeah, but uh, Quinn. Yeah, Ewers, I'm starting to. I'm starting to I'm, oh yeah, I'm starting. Wrapping up this conversation, then we'll get back to Quinn Ewers. I'm starting to rethink the strategy. I have. I'm moving forward. I'm going to try to be more patient, and I think that I'm going to be okay with seeing rookie quarterbacks start the season on the bench. That's just after after this year. And by by the way, this better if this hasn't already happened, which this probably has, because I remember this being an issue back when the Bills. When they lost forty-seven to nothing against the Ravens, Josh Allen's first game. Nathan Peterman played the first he half, could. then he got benched, and it was Josh Allen's first game of his career. And the Ravens beat them forty-seven nothing, and that was that sparked the conversation of who's better, the Bills or Alabama. I, I really hope that Trevor Lawrence's uh, start to his NFL career forever. <laughs> puts to sleep the discussion about college teams versus NFL teams. I mean, if, if the bill, if that year's bills took on that year, Alabama, would Alabama keep that game within 28? Probably not. No. It's, it's, <laughs> because, and it's all, it's all up front. I actually think that the skill, that the skill position players could actually put up a decent fight. Yes. But, uh, you're going up against That's grown defensive linemen, grown linebackers, and grown offensive linemen. As college kids, no way. And, and quarterbacks, obviously, inexperienced yeah, quarterback. I, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Buffalo's defensive line is full of Alabama's best players. So that's that's like they would just get dominated up front. That would be the only thing. Like exactly. If that Alabama uh, offense with Tua and um, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, um, Jerry Judy, and um, who am I Jalen Waddle. They would have given they would have given Buffalo a couple. They would have given them some fits, but no. Uh, jo- Buffalo final score seventy eight to three. Yeah, uh, probably right. Um, oh yeah, but yeah. with Quinn Ewers obviously leaving the program at Ohio State, and he is now I. I guess Texas A&M is no longer in the mix. I think it's just down to Texas and Texas Tech, which yes, TCU is also out. Yeah, TCU is out. Which by the dude, if he went to A&M, I don't know if you've been paying attention to A&M's recruiting rankings, but they have oh, they have rushing dogs it. on the way. So a- A&M is going to be really, really, really good in the near future. Also, I saw this. Uh, I saw this today that Jimbo Fisher was offered thirteen million dollars a year to go to LSU. 13 a year. But he obviously he offered a great response back. He said, I'm I'm recruiting one of the best classes in Texas AM history. Why would I want to just recruit them here so I could leave and then play against them every year? Great response. Kind of flexing while also yeah. while also putting that turning down the LSU job. That was great. But Texas AM is going to be in a really good position moving forward. However, they will not have Quinn Ewers because he's down to Texas and Texas Tech. Which is hard, just off of name alone, it's hard for me to imagine that he goes to Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, worked for Patrick Mahomes, so 
But um, but Cliff, but it's Cliff Kingsbury's coaching the Cardinals right now. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. Texas A&M currently has the number three 2022 class um, by a pretty healthy margin over Ohio State because Ohio State just actually moved. They were behind Penn State for a little bit. For uh, They were in fifth. Penn State was fourth. But Sonny Styles reclassified to 2022. So that bumped Ohio State above Penn State. So Ohio State's four right now. Um, Alabama's one. Georgia's two. Those are by slim margins. Texas A&M's three. And then there's a pretty significant drop between Ohio State. And then Sonny Styles actually put a significant drop between Ohio, uh, Ohio State and Penn State. Um, Ohio State did lose out on a safety, a 2022 safety, just because of Sonny Styles. He committed to Iowa today. Uh, good luck with that. But um, <laughs> hey, I actually watched that commitment live because Notre Dame was also in the mix. But I, uh, he picked up the Ohio State hat. Put it down and then picked up the Iowa head. So he's an he's an Iowa guy. So that obviously played a factor. But uh, yeah, I I actually took a nap, and, and I actually have a history of doing this, which is disappointing. But I I took a nap, and I dreamt while napping that because Xavier we're talking about Xavier Wampa, he was obviously he was projected to go to Iowa. All of the rivals guys projected him to go to Iowa. So it was. It was known ahead of time that was the likely destination, but in I dreamt right. that he committed to Notre Dame, and when I woke up, I like thought that I missed the commitment. So that that's happened with bets before, where I just I dreamt that I already won the bet, and I woke up and it lost. That was a demoralizing feeling. But uh, yeah, he's a, a lot of the hmm. I, I I think at least that a lot of the reason he picked Iowa, given how high of a recruit he is. Um, that it has to do with him staying home, and they he he single handedly bumped Iowa from the fifty second recruiting class to thirty ninth. So he's uh, not going to be surrounded by a bunch of talent, but he'll get to flourish on his own. No, no. Uh, these recruiting rankings: Stanford's number ten. That's crazy. Um, Clemson's down to nine. Uh, North Carolina's eight. Yeah, they had a couple decommits. Clemson. Yeah, they had it because of yeah, Venables. Going to, which, by yeah. the way, uh, I think Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott's picking up a job somewhere else too. He's going to be a head coach. I heard so. I heard I heard his name being floated around. Let me let me look him up and just see because I know his name's getting floated because there is some. This is a wild time for Clemson and Dabo. Uh, Tony Elliott. Oh, dude, the, the it's crumbling. Yeah, um, they lost their AD. Their AD went to Miami today to join Cristobal. Uh, Venables is uh, Oklahoma's coach. Perfect fit. Uh, And then Tony Elliott has formally interviewed with Duke because Cutcliffe retired. Um, I always found it funny when um, uh, looking at Arch Manning's recruiting profile that Duke was, like, very high up there just because of David Cutcliffe. And now it's just, now it's just gone, but um, because he's not going to Duke, <laughs> but um, Tony, yeah, if because Venables has been at Clemson probably since the same time Dabble got there, because that's around the same time line where he got fired from Oklahoma as the DC there, and I don't know when Tony Elliott jumped on board, but the the biggest strength for Clemson was that everyone stayed together. I mean, Elliot, uh, Venables, and Sweeney, and I can't remember the AD's name there, they were all, like, 
they started this whole thing. And this is going to be the first time Dabo's got to have to go out and get some guys, unless unless the Las Vegas Raiders come calling and asking Dabo if he wants to coach, which would be, you know, firing John Gruden and replacing him with John Gruden. So that would be (laughs) – I would just love it for the hilarious factor, just the hilarity of it. I don't know, man. I saw Dabo hanging out in Jacksonville uh, in the preseason, so he he might be a, he might already be committed to the Jaguars. He might be he, he was hanging out with Urban Meyer. I think he was even wearing some Jacksonville Jaguars gear. So I, I can't picture him. Oh, did you hear who got signed to the Raiders? Did you see that Will Compton's back in the NFL? Will Compton, the boy. That's right, dude. One of the, one of the best Twitter followers that you can possibly dream up. Uh, Easily, he's hilarious, and that uh, he's very funny. That the graphic the the, the podcast with of the boys put together of um, Stone Cold Steve Austin coming in and disrupting the AFC that was yeah in the beer that, truck that was, awesome. <laughs> that was awesome I am so excited for and obviously as a listener to the podcast he's probably gonna build more relationships get some good guests lined up I'll, that is going to be they have they. They consistently have the best guests. It's on. They consistently have the best. Him and Taylor Lewan. They have the best guests ever. Absolutely, I am. I'm a fan. So uh, he can get Dabo on the bus. That I, I'd, I'd be down for that. But I uh, thought when he because he teased that he was getting signed early in the day before he got signed on his Twitter. I thought he was going to sign with Cincinnati because Cincinnati's having linebacker problems. Which because I watch a lot of Cincinnati and. Uh, Joe Bocci got a lot of run at linebacker this week, and I saw a tweet earlier today that he's in line to start this really? week. Really? So that'll be interesting. What the heck? Let's yeah. go. Yeah, he actually played pretty solid. All right, Joe B, let's go. Yeah, he he's definitely he he played pretty solid. I mean, he's still he's still like there's a reason he wasn't drafted, but the he looked pretty <laughs> solid. So good for him. Well, did, didn't he fail a drug test or something? Uh, I, I don't. Was I, it PEDs? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Well, it was something. I don't know. Hey, regardless, he's getting twelve tackles this week. Listen, there's a there's a couple things I could say that I'm not going to, but uh, <laughs> I, you know more than I do. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. I'm happy for him. I hope he does well. But um. Let's look at. I'm trying. I'm I'm scrolling through all these bowl games now. I'm trying to see if there's any like, like awful bowl games that are going to be awesome. Let's see, Bahamas Bowl, no. Cure Bowl, no. Boca Raton no. Bowl, no. The celeb. What the hell is the Celebration Bowl? Uh, Cool and the Gang perform at halftime. Oh. Okay. No, I no idea. That was a. Dumb joke. Oh, how's the what's the Jimmy Kimmel bowl? Isn't he doing something? There's a Jimmy Kimmel I th- bowl. Yeah, I thought so. His face is is well, I don't know if his face is gonna be at midfield, but people were wanting his face to be at midfield. Do you know how pissed I would be if I was a division one athlete, got to play in a bowl game and I had to meet Jimmy Kimmel? I would be so pissed <laughs> if I had to talk to him face to face or just see his face. Alright, let's see if the Jimmy Kimmel bowl game. That's disgusting, Jimmy Kimmel. All right, he – oh, so he's – the. it's just the L.A. Bowl, but I think Jimmy Kimmel is the presenting sponsor. That's disgusting. 
So actually, yeah, I think it's just gonna it's just gonna have LA at midfield. I, my suggestion was that no marching bands allowed, and that whenever someone scores a touchdown, you play Jimmy Kimmel's laugh over the loudspeaker. Have the roots play. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like just have the roots play, but that would be no, that, that, that's Jimmy Fallon. No, they're the same thing. Both unfunny white guys <laughs> who just ride the back of their guests. But um, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is interesting for one factor and one factor only is that the presenter, Duke's Mayo, um, has offered a ten thousand dollar reward if the winning coach is dumped in mayonnaise instead of Gatorade. Who gets the ten thousand dollars? That's a good question. Maybe the school because I, I don't. Th- I'm about to say that, that's not even that's not going to do anything for them. Ten thousand um, dollars. I just want to see somebody well, get dunked that, in mayo. I hope. I hope it's a sen- a graduating senior. This could be an nil deal, or uh, or oh, don't tell Darren Ravel. <laughs> I that I as soon as I said that I I thought of that because that I, oh my god you would act like. These kids are committing fraud or something. It's he is. He used to just be funny, just to hate on him because he was like woefully ignorant to how stupid he sounds. Now he just sucks. Yeah. Uh huh. Let's see what his Twitter account because he's always oh. tweeting something. <laughs> he's a. Uh... Oh, he had he had that big dude. The University of Tennessee, for whatever reason, is really upset with him for saying that offensive linemen aren't marketable. Texas. That's Texas. No, well, no. There was there was one Tennessee lineman who, uh, who I guess responded and did like the the SpongeBob text where like every other letter is capitalized or whatever. Like offensive linemen aren't marketable. Whatever. I don't know, but uh, he created a stir with that, which I'm sure he loves. But he is. I, I I used to I'll say this I used to like hate him just because you hated him and it was just fun for the sake of hating him but now I like now that I've followed him yes. for a long time he sucks. I like I actually see the vision I actually understand it's not just it's not just a running joke to hate him I'm like this guy is actually like weird and annoying Did you, somebody because uh, his ever famous forty yard dash. Oh, where he looked like he cramped God. up in every single muscle <laughs> while he was doing it. Um, it got resurfaced, and he was like, this is actually the most viewed 40-yard dash ever, so I'm proud of it. Like, No, everyone's making fun of you. <laughs> and then the funny thing, he, he ran a 4-4 20-yard dash. You're yeah, giving him too much credit by saying he ran four. He did not run 40 yards. He ran 20. And then Alvin Kamara quote tweeted it and said, like, the way he's holding the bench after he runs, like, he's so winded. Like, that. This, yeah. this, is a, this is a marathon but, um, runner. Or at least a former marathon runner. Oh, but, he should know how to run. Oh, did he run marathons? I didn't know he yeah, ran he, marathons. He at least ran one because he, he posted on the day of the New York Marathon and said congratulations to everybody for, like, the challenge that you're overcoming today or something like that. Um. And then he posted his picture of him at his marathon. It was like a, uh, it, it was a weird picture because, and I, I never realized this until just now, but it was like an action shot of like somebody, whoever the, was the cameraman was like in front of him. It it, it almost, I, and I'm not accusing, accusing him of doing this, but it would almost look like he had his own professional photographer there to video. It wasn't some side view 
of somebody, you know, behind the bars uh, taking the photo of him. It was someone in front of him taking the photo of him. So it looked like, I, I don't know, maybe a cameraman just ran in front of him, snapped a quick photo, and then ran out just for, like, a newspaper or something. But it was it was definitely an action shot uh, mid-marathon. But he was doing some kind of Lamar Jackson, Cleveland Browns run. Uh, in that 20-yard dash. And for whatever yeah, reason, yeah. Ndamukong Sue was there. I don't know why he cared about Darren Ravel's 20-yard dash. But he was, like, uh, I don't know. He was just standing off to the side. And the tweet was, never forget Darren Ravel's 20-yard dash in front of Ndamukong Sue, as if Ndamukong Sue's presence <laughs> was some major storyline. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, do you think Darren Ravel is like he knows what he's doing, or is he actually just that stupid? Um, no, because I think there are some media members who just take themselves super seriously, and they're really just interested in their own content. And now he he did one thing, he, he did like some human buffalo wing challenge where he like had a bunch of people dump buffalo sauce on him, and he wore goggles, and he complained about how badly his ears hurt when he did it or something. So, like, he's done goofy stuff that's, like, social media trendy, I guess. Although, i got to be honest with you, I don't know how many people were were jumping in on that trend with him. I think uh, maybe somebody may have pranked him and got him to do a trend that nobody else was following. But I, I think that these media guys are actually, like, really serious about their work and really serious about their reputation as media members and how professional they are. So I, I, I think that he's actually serious with some of the stuff he says, especially with this NIL stuff. He's like, like playing investigator and he sounds like so upset. You had the tweet where you obviously sarcastically said, never thought I'd see the day that cheating and greed would interfere with college football. And, um, Gentleman's sport has been corrupt. Yeah, and I, and I, I'm so mad at myself because I thought of this response the day after, but obviously I wasn't going to respond to 24 hours after the tweet because the, the joke was had since passed. But my response was going to be, uh, you know, everybody protect college basketball at all costs. If it's interfering with college football, who knows what's going to happen with college basketball. No heavens. But uh, I, uh, he's a I, – I, now that I've followed him for a long time, I understand why you hate him. It's It's real. He's terrible. He, he's just – there was one piece of content that I enjoyed him doing, and he live-streamed it. So remember when, like, Papa John's or, like, Domino's had those shoes and you just press the button and a pizza would be delivered to you? He, like, live-streamed himself doing that, yeah. and it was, like, 17 minutes of him standing outside in, like, heavy wind and, like, five seconds of him receiving a pizza. <laughs> it was like, dude. Like, oh man, I smashed this one. But I found the tweet where he was defending his forty yard his forty yard shuffle, and it says, "Say what you want, but I'm proud <laughs> that this is the most watched dash on all of social media. At nearly eight million views, it beat Usain Bolt's forty at the Super Bowl by two eight two point eight million views." Darren Ravel. The, the fact that he even looked that up and compared those statistics just shows you how seriously he takes this. I find it so funny that eight point six million people have watched this. That is, that, you got to take into account how many people who are just like average people who have no idea who Darren Ravel is have seen that video. Yeah, they're just like, what like, the hell is this? Just think about like your average girl from your high school probably had that show up on her feet at one point having no idea who Darren Ravel is. Just like, who is this guy like kind of running but kind of just scooting? 
Yeah, it's not even running. Have you uh, seen this video of Babe Ruth that circulated today on Twitter of him striking out on three <laughs> yeah, pitches? Yeah, I, I saw your retweet. <laughs> that was hilarious. Just three straight fastballs right down the pipe. See you later. Yeah, and you think he's catching up to 100 miles an hour in 2021? No way. No. Nah, come on. Barry Bonds would hit 3,000 home runs that year. <laughs> and I, I, and I look, I, I don't know how they did it, but old-timey baseball, even like Roberto Clemente, those guys had the most technically unsound swings ever. Like they they moved every single muscle in their body when they swung. That is not how they not how it's coached. I don't know how those guys hit the ball. Those guys always had the most unorthodox swings. And you're you're supposed to convince me that Babe Ruth's seven hundred fifteen home runs is legit? No way. Seven fourteen, but there's the the, uh, the seven fourteen that should have been seven thirteen or seven fourteen that should have been seven fifteen. It should have been seven. Well, it should have been more, but um. Because back then, when baseball was, you know, the golden days of baseball, um, a ball that bounced over the fence was considered a home run. Um, And if you hit a walk-off home run, and and if you're not the winning run, it's not considered a home run. So back then, it was – so if you're down one nothing, there's a man on first, and you hit a two-run home run to walk it off. You would be credited with a two-run triple. That is lame. That is extremely lame. Almost as lame as Babe Ruth falling on his ass on his third strike three. <laughs> Lord, this dude sucks. Uh, hey, I, I still think I know the polo grounds is like five hundred feet dead center, but this was definitely a buck eighty. Oh yeah, well, polo grounds were five hundred feet dead center in. I think 188 and 168 to the corners. Let's see. Because. Uh, not, not not 188. What am I saying? Uh, no, but. Two, two, I, I think 288 to 288 to left field, 268 to right field. Maybe. It is left field, 279, left center, 450, center field, 483, right center, 449, right field, 258. Yeah. So he was hitting. He was hitting to the shortest part of the ballpark. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah, exactly. Are you, do you know how many home runs Ken Griffey Jr. would have right now? If he played the polo grounds? A Barry Bonds. A Barry Bonds would have – I mean, they probably would have threw him in prison if he was doing those kind of things. Well, they would have threw him in prison during that time for two different reasons. But if, <laughs> if... The funny thing is, I don't if, even if get he that, had that joke. many home runs, they would have. And I'm still laughing. That? I said, the funny thing is, I'm even get that joke, and I'm still laughing. Back then, they would have loved all the I, steroids he wanted. Uh, not the steroids thing. There's a different thing that he can't control that he wouldn't be appreciated in that time. But um, oh yeah, Barry, oh I, never mind. Barry, I just I just yeah, got the joke. Yeah. Oops. Barry Bonds, um, <laughs> a billion home runs. Uh, 1,000 batting average, um, 1,000 on base percentage. Probably would have like an 8,000 OBP. I don't think that's possible, but that's probably what he would have. Um, <laughs> today's actually the anniversary of when he signed with the Giants for like $63 million. One of the most disgraced men in the, the city of Pittsburgh. Left us on horrible terms. 
Yeah. He let he let one of the he, he was playing left field. It was in the playoffs. It was a ball hit to him. Runner on second base. One of the slowest players in the Major League Baseball. Round second base. He Cadillacs it. He doesn't even care, and he lets him score. And then that's the last play of Barry Bonds' Pirates career. Then he goes aside with San Francisco. He is hated in Pittsburgh for that reason. I think he was just tired of playing with Jim Leland. Uh, well, have you heard the Sean Casey story talking about uh, Jim Leland smoking cigarettes? No, but that's an awesome thing that baseball should just allow. <laughs> well, no, he would do it in the tunnel. Uh, he would go down into the tunnel to the clubhouse in between innings and smoke a cigarette. Or, well, and depending on the decade, he probably did it in the dugout. But this is a more progressive era of baseball where he was at least told, don't do it where the cameras can see you. So uh, Sean, Sean Casey tells the story way better, but he told it on Rich Eisen's <laughs> show one time. Sean Casey, by the way, absolutely hilarious guy, uh, former pirate, former tiger, former red. And he, he told a story about how uh, he, he got hit in the shoulder and and he went to first base and he was like, all right, I can play, I can play. And like he was like, yeah, just just let me run the bases. And then he got back into the dugout after the inning and was like, I cannot go to first base. I cannot lift my arm. So he, he was t- telling the assistant coach, and the assistant coach told him to go down into the tunnel. <laughs> and he went over to Jim Leland mid-cigarette and told him, like, you got to find a new first baseman because I can't lift my shoulder. And he's like, all right. tell." He's, and Jim Leland told him, uh, go tell the bench coach to put in so-and-so, and don't you ever interrupt me ever again while I'm smoking a heater. <laughs> that, hey, now. Listen, that, I feel like. Listen, it, a lot of things, a lot of people have been grandfathered into rule changes like spitballs <laughs> or like, I think they just recently, I think they just recently outlawed dip, but like you're, you can like, you, Jose Ramirez has like a pound of Copenhagen uh, in his lip at a oh, time. Oh yeah, you're telling so, me that it's outlawed and Jose Ramirez's bottom lip is yeah. just that huge? No. Yeah, so I feel like cigarettes should have just been like grandfather, like Jim Leland. Did he coach Team USA in the Olympics? I don't know. I, I, to tell you the truth, I don't know much about... Um, is he alive? Yes. I would have known if he was dead. He's got to be alive. He was managing the Tigers not too long ago, like five years ago. He's 76. Still still very much alive. Let's I, I don't know much about the history of baseball in the Olympics. I just know that it's fun. coming back soon. But it's not even going to be major leaguers. So it was, it was in last... It was in this previous... No, so it was in this previous Olympics. Oh, yeah. Um... USA took home silver, I believe. South Korea won the and gold. This, this might get I me think... kicked off this podcast. I don't even like the World Baseball Classic hardly. Oh, well, because the, it's a bunch of like, it's like the Olympics in basketball. It's it's not the best players. It's just a bunch of guys who want to play. Well, which is not the best players. Team USA had a pretty good team in the Olympics. It's a bunch of minor leaders and a bunch of old guys like Todd Frazier. Yeah, like what is that? Oh, Todd Frazier, former pirate. But uh, <laughs> time to say something. Oh, <laughs> so the next Olympics, um, the next Summer Olympics is in Paris, and Paris doesn't have enough baseball fields to hold the Olympic Olympic baseball or softball. So it's taking a uh, a one time break before because I think after Paris it comes to. The U.S. Yeah, L.A. 2028. Yeah, but uh, they're replacing baseball and softball in Paris with breakdancing. 
<laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> I, That'd be awesome. I will watch that. That will. You, I'm gonna uh, put that priority. Even you, you're gonna put that as a higher priority than rugby on your Olympic watch list. Oh no, I love rugby. <laughs> you were watching, watching a lot of rugby. rugby. You, you. I was waking up at four in the morning to watch Team USA rugby. You were watching rugby right in between the the Utah football games. Oh come on! <laughs> I was watching. Oh, team, rugby is sensational. Team USA rugby just recently lost by like 120, so that was awesome. Is that a lot? To like to New Zealand, yeah, it's a, it's quite a lot. Uh, to, to New Zealand, who New Zealand is like the USSR of hockey team. So what, like it is the equivalent to rugby? Um, yeah, I was rugby. If I didn't have a friend who played rugby and was a national champion rugby player, may I add, um, I probably wouldn't give a damn about rugby. But his team actually just lost in the national championship. Bowling Green just lost in the national championship oh, a couple days they, ago. Aren't they defending champions? No, but um, they did win the MAC championship for like the 50th year in a row. Oh, well, weren't they national champions in the recent past? Recently, because my friend was there when they won. Yeah, that's right. That is right. That's Leland led. I'm looking at Jim Leland's Wikipedia page. He last coached the Tigers in 2013. They, I, oh, hold on. It was, no, it was 2012 when the Tigers went to World Series. Hey, he coached in a World Series, or managed, I should say. Managed in a World Series I recently. Did. Now, he didn't win a game in the World Series. They got swept, but. No, he, he most there. certainly did not. <laughs> they most certainly did not win a game. He had to have been there. But he was there. Was he there when, was he there when the Tigers went, the uh, when they beat Oakland? Uh, and the ALCS to get to lose to the Cardinals, where I think they also got swept. Yes, to my knowledge, yes, that was 2006. That was Maglio Ordonez. Yes, he was. Who? It sure was. He was. He did something. He had a big time home run. I think. I don't know when, but he had to walk off to send them to the World. That Series. was his first year. Get out of town. What Leland? the? He managed the Mar. He won a World Series managing the Marlins. Yeah, he was the manager when they beat the Guardians. What the? <laughs> the, the Guardians. This. Well, it That's is their now. Name. It wasn't then. This is. That is amazing. I did not know that. And apparently, he. I don't know what happened in 1998, but he was. He found a new team after that. Yeah, he was. Got he was his ass the, out. He of was there. the coach o of the exactly. fired him immediately. He won he won a championship and then and then he was out of there. What in the world? I'm reading let's see. And he was hired for the Marlins and promptly led them to the franchise's first World Series that year, defeating the Cleveland Guardians four games to three. The Marlins, only in their fifth year of existence, um, became the fastest um, in the off season, immediately after Game Seven, the Marlins went into a total fire sale. That's awesome. Oh, this is hilarious! Um, so after, <laughs> yeah, so they just tore up the French. This sounds like some real Pittsburgh Pirates stuff right here with this ownership. Who, all right, who is this Huzenga guy? Uh, it was he was either the GM or the owner. Oh, this this guy looks like an owner. Yeah, he. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a, this oh, is a cheap owner right here. Th this is what this was all about. 
Yeah. The old blockbuster. Oh, really? Wow. So this guy. He owned. Well, it says he's known for. He's known for Blockbuster Video, Waste Management Incorporated. So he was a mobster, as well. <laughs> AutoNation, Swisher Hygiene, former owner of the Miami Dolphins, the Florida Panthers, and the Florida Marlins. Huh. I have no idea who owns any of those teams. Oh well, Jeter owns one of them now. Uh, actually, wait is he is he the no, owner Lord. or is he just the CEO? I, which I don't know what the difference is, but. Is he a partial owner? He, I think he's a partial owner, but I don't think he's the owner. He might be a minority owner. Um, is is it that um, that Korean woman who's the owner, or is she the GM? No, she's the GM. Um, uh, yeah, so it sounds like this guy, this this owner, was just too tired of winning because right after the championship. Right after they won the World Series, they yeah they completely dismantled the roster. And Jim Leland was asked to, immediately after Game Seven. Jim Leland was asked about this. <laughs> uh, wait a minute, what is this? So it says that Jim Leland was asked uh, whether or not he would retire if Huizinga sold the franchise, which it sounds like that would be beneficial because this guy was a horrible owner who just dismantled the entire the entire team. After winning the championship, this guy, this guy did not yeah. want to be a big market team. He wanted, he came into baseball wanting to be the nickel and dime small market guy. So, so they asked Jim Leland, "Hey, the owner might sell the team. Are you so attached at the hip with this guy that you're going to retire if he if he uh, sells the team?" And then Jim Leland responded, "My wife doesn't like me that much. I can't retire." Fantastic line. Oh, Jim Leland resigned after the 1998 season. Oh my gosh, they went 54 and 108 after what? winning the World Series. <laughs> that's, I gotta look at this roster. That's terrible. Were they the Miami Marlins? Yeah, no, they were uh, the Florida Marlins. No, they were Florida. Greatest logo in the history of sports, and they're like, "Nah, I don't want this anymore." Yeah, that was. Now they had a terrible stadium that they shared with the Dolphins. Oh, they they still do. And the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, not well. Actually, yeah, it kind of is a terrible stadium now. They've they've got they've gotten away from their past. They got they've gotten away from their history of that giant sculpture in left center field. Uh, they've redid the center field wall, so now it's no longer slanted. Uh, so now it's actually a straight parallel line. The t- the top of the wall no longer slants down one way or the other. It actually goes straight across center field. So they, they've got they've gotten rid of their. There's no longer that ridiculous corner in left center field. So they got they've gotten they've gotten rid of their past, man. They've lost their way. Yeah, uh, let's see. who are the pitchers on this team? They also got rid of Christian Yelich, John Carlos Stanton, and Marcelo Zuna. So they really lost their way. Well, two of those guys stink now, <laughs> and one of them's going to prison. But um... <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He. he... Oh, no, actually, he's eligible to play next year because he served his time. He did? That's Yeah, he's eligible to start to play from starting game one next year. I didn't know that he served his time already. Yeah, they, count, they counted what he um, – because he was just indefinitely suspended. They just counted it as that was your suspension. You were just suspended for the year. All right, well. It's a pretty interesting strategy. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, you know, baseball has a – uh, a reputation problem, and 
they really cleaned it up there. They're cleaning it up right now. Yep. Too. They had a guy named Josh Booty on this team. Well, hey, World, World Series champion and NFL quarterback. After that, he decided to go to college. And we know who his brother is. His brother was John David Booty, former USC quarterback. Oh. So, yeah, this guy, he – um What's that? Great counsel yeah. oh, on the team. Oh, really? The, the worst, the worst bad you will ever find, Craig Council, I might add. Mm. Edgar Renteria. Cool guy. Or at least cool name. I have no idea what kind of Mike guy Mike Piazza was on the team. Mike Piazza and Gary Sheffield were on the team. This was a who's... I'll tell you, Gary Sheffield may have been playing... Bobby Bonilla. Still getting paid by the Mets. Kevin oh, Millar. Let's go. I like that guy. He's hilarious. And they won the World Series and they won 54 games. Okay, we'll check the roster on the next season. How many of those guys were still there? What was their record? 64 and 98. They improved. Oh, wait. Were, were you uh, already talking a... about the 1995 year? Or, I'm sorry, 1998? I was talking about 98. Yeah, so... yeah I'm talking about 99. Oh, everyone's gone. The fire sale. Oh, but they improved. This guy, this, guy, yeah. this owner... He got into the bit. He did, he was afraid of winning. He didn't want to be. He didn't want to be successful. He was, no, he part, was no part of any PU. expectations of being a major market team. He's like, nope, we're we're done with this. Disgusting. The next year, two thousand, they won seventy nine games. Two thousand one, seventy six. Two thousand three. Two thousand two, seventy nine. Two thousand three. And two thousand three, ninety one, won the World Series. Who was the manager of that team? But. This is. This, uh, I might be way off. I might be way off. They had two, two managers. Yeah, one started the year poorly, and then the other came in and cleaned up. All right, who who started poorly and who cleaned up? Jeff Torberg, no idea. No. And Jack Mc, Jack McKeon McKeon. I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. Huh. Jim Leland from Perrysburg, Ohio, the, Toledo guy. Sure was. This guy coached. He also coached the Marlins in 2011. He was 5'8". Good lord. Jim Leland. I'm just lost. Jim Leland, get this. He won two World Series. Okay, that's not true. But he he, he went to three World Series. At least, okay. I, I don't know what he did with the Pirates. But with the Tigers and the Marlins, he went to three World Series, won one of them, and two of those were in his first years. So in his first year with the Marlins, he won the World Series. Then he obviously, as we talked about, the next se- had a horrible next season, then resigned. The next year, he was the manager of the Rockies. I have no idea how that went, and I imagine it didn't go well because he was only there for a year. T- took a little bit of a hiatus. Came back in 2006. First year with the Tigers, they win the AL pennant. So Jim Le- Jim Leland is this guy who he, he was the Sean McVay before Sean McVay. He he just had that magic touch that where everything around him turned to success. Come back to Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, yeah, well, who's Pittsburgh's manager now? Uh Derek Sheldon. He no was a Minnesota Twins bench coach or something like that, I think. 
Hmm. So, Twins are doing pretty uh, good right now. Not this past year, they weren't. No, no. Uh, they no, they no, were a few years thing. ago, and then they bottomed out quickly. Oh, that, it was they. They just randomly won a hundred plus games two years in a row, and decided that was enough. That was too much success. They didn't win a single them. postseason game. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If Jim Leland came back and managed the Pirates, he would still be younger than Tony Larusa managing the White Sox. Oh God! I mean. Tony LaRussa. How did you think a young team was going to want Tony LaRussa? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Dusty Baker, 72. Dusty Baker has looked the exact same age Dusty for like Baker's 20 cool. years. Dusty Baker's Dusty cool. Dusty Baker played for 20 years. He was actually one of these oh, guys yeah. who actually Dusty had a Baker's been career. 72 years. Dusty Baker's been 72 years old for the past 30 years. Has this guy – has Dusty Baker won a World Series? Not as a he manager. He did as a player. He won with the Dodgers in 81. But as a manager... He managed the Giants in the World Series and obviously now the Astros. But I don't know. He's never won. Then he was with the, the Reds for a little bit. All right. So the Astros were in the World Series. The... Giants. He was the manager of the Giants when they went to the, when they lost to the Angels. He was the manager of the Cubs when um, Steve Bartman dropped the ball. Wait. Okay, so what, what, the heck, what the heck happened here? Because the Giants won the National League in in 2002, where they lost to the Angels in the World Series. The next year, he was managing the Cubs. So, what in the world happened there to where Can't Dusty Baker much. just That's, Yeah, I, what, keep everyone on their toes. Yeah, this is what I'm learning, is that baseball guys hate winning. This is Johnny this is just B. Dusty Baker Jr. And this is just... Oh, he was the coach of the Nationals for a little bit, too. Yeah, but they didn't. That, uh, they... Oh, my that gosh. Like... Well, uh, well actually, let, let, me, let, me, let me find out first why. Let me find out why he left the Nationals. Oh. He was only there for like two yeah. years. Yeah, on October, 20, October 20th, 2017, the Nationals announced that Baker would not return. So it makes it sound like that they did not renew his contract. That's what it sounded like. Or... Or maybe yes. they fired him. I don't know. But in his two years in Washington, first in the NL East, first in the NL East, won the division back-to-back years, and they did not renew his contract. Baseball team hate winning. Despite Baker's success in San Francisco, he had an increasingly strong relationship with owner Peter McGowan, one that even the Giants' first pennant in 13 years could not mend. So – Nobody hates winning more than owners of sports teams that I've come to find out here. No, as, as, as somebody whose uh, favorite owner has driven the best player of uh, a generation, maybe ever, out of his town twice, um, I, I'm now convinced that owners just don't like winning. Are you suggesting that Francisco Lindor is one of the most talented players of his generation? Um. Because that's good. who you were talking about. I was clearly talking about LeBron James. Oh, oh well, you know what? That's a uh... speaking of the Cavs. But that also applies. By, like, they're whooping up the Bulls by twenty um, right now. So, uh, D- Dusty Baker's Giants teams had the nickname of the, and this is the worst thing ever. They were called the Team of Dustiny. I hate that. Um, also, <laughs> also, 
for whatever reason, Dusty Baker and the owner, Peter McGowan, those two hated each other's guts. So that's why Dusty really? Baker's contract was not renewed despite winning the National League. So Again, uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like winning is not much of a priority in Major League Baseball. No, absolutely not. Um, the Guardians have proven that. Wow, Matt Scherzer's making more money than the entire team this year. He made, he made the playoffs with the Reds in 2013. He was managing during the uh, the Pirates National League Wild Card game. He was, and, he was with the Reds for a little bit, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, like six. Did they go to the years. playoffs like two straight years? They won the uh, Central two straight years. Did it, they were up two nothing on the Giants? I remember that in the NLDS, and they blew it. That well, that was 2020. So yes. They did. They won the Central that year. Well, listen to this, man. 2010, they won the National League Central. Now they got swept right. in the first round of the playoffs by the Phillies. Um, hmm. So that was 2010. Skip ahead to 2012. First in the National League Central. Blew the lead to the Giants, so they also lost in the first round. And then the next year after yep. that, they were third in the National League Central because the, at this point in time, the National League Central was just the best division in baseball. But Oh, uh, yeah. This is when they played lost. Pirates in the wild card. Yeah, but lost that wild card game. So he made the playoffs three out of four years for the Cincinnati Reds, and he got fired for Brian Price, who just got extended. Good. He's underachieving. Up to, he made the playoffs three times for the first time in like a billion years, but who needs him? Exactly. This is I mean, this dude's won everywhere he's been, and every team's like, now nah, we're good. I want <laughs> Freddie Fuck around to manage my team next year, and then they win seventy games. Exactly. Here's a uh, Baker is noted for his love of toothpicks. He chewed them every game and was once quoted saying, "Toothpicks That's are cool. an excellent source of protein." <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Who's to say? Uh huh. Yep. But being yeah. a toothpick guy's got to be like a cool thing. Like you can't just declare to be a toothpick guy. I feel like Dusty Baker was just born to be a toothpick guy. Anybody named Dusty has to have, have like something cool about him. He would look weird if he didn't have a toothpick hanging out of his mouth. No, I mean uh, he was the perfect manager for this Astros team. Just somebody who's a player, known as a player's coach, doesn't care about anything that happened outside. Well, I'll tell you this: I don't like this at all. There's a there's a subsection on his Wikipedia page called criticism, and there are hmm? five lengthy paragraphs. Regarding oh. Dusty Baker, so he is heavily is criticized. The, all right, so the, here's the first. The first paragraph is really small, so I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll actually just read it word for word, uh, reading off his Wikipedia page. Uh, it's just only a few sentences. Baker, an old school baseball traditionalist, was scrutinized for the Cubs' declining productivity. Baker has said that putting men on base can be unimportant and merely clogging up the bases. <laughs> the hmm. position has made Baker a target among the sabermetric community. So <laughs> Dusty Baker says on-base percentage doesn't matter. Dusty Baker would be perfect in today's baseball. All he cares about Get the man analytics out of here. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. All right, here's another small paragraph that I can read. Uh, it says, Baker is known as a player's manager. He is seen as preferring to play veterans over prospects, even when his teams are out of the playoff hunt, stating a need to maintain the integrity of the playoff races. Hey, he is anti-tanking. This, this, dude, is this dude is old dude, school. This dude is old school. everywhere he's been. Uh-huh. 
He won 103 games in his first ever season as a manager with the Giants. They missed the playoffs with 103 wins. <laughs> huh? When was that? 1993. Entering the final day of the season, Atlanta and San Francisco were tied at 103 and 58. With the Giants having just won 13 of their last 15 games to pull even. But in game 162, they lost to the Dodgers, and the Braves won the Rockies to win the NL West by a single game, and they advanced. That's, I would stop being a sports fan. <laughs> that was the first year they had Barry Bond, I believe, so. <laughs> and he won the NL MVP. Missed the playoffs. This is. The best teams to never to miss the postseason. Let's read this real quick, and then we can get out of here. Um, wild card era, 1999 Reds, 96 and 67. Oh, fuck you. Uh, number two, the 2019 Cleveland Guardians, 93 and 69. Oh, uh, just an absolute collapse in September. Uh, <laughs> uh, number three, the 2005 Cleveland Guardians, 93 and 69. <laughs> Um, I don't remember. Like, I, I knew Victor Martinez, Johnny Peralta, Quickly, and CC Sabathia were on that team, but and Grady, Hall of Famer Grady Sizemore. Oh, you um, know, Grady. 2003 Mariners, 93 and 69. 2002 Red Sox, 93 69. 2002 Mariners. Oh, the Mariners, come on. You can't win 90 games back to back seasons and miss the playoffs. 93 and 69. Uh, the divisional era, pre wild card, Giants, 103 and 59. 1980, the Orioles won 100 games, missed the playoffs naturally. Um, 1978, Red Sox won 99 games. 1985, the Mets won 98, won the World Series the next year. 1997, or 1974, the Reds, 98 wins. Oh, the pennant race, where it was, baseball was just stupid. Um, oh, this is delightful. Uh, the Dodgers, 1942 Dodgers, 104 wins, clearly not a playoff team. Uh, the 1909 Cubs, who could forget, uh, Hall of Famers Mordecai, Three Fingers Brown, uh, <laughs> 27 and 9 with the 131 ERA, as well as the. Yeah, I'm not reading that. Um, but Chicago couldn't compete with the Juggernaut Pirates, who won 110 games. That's right, baby. And won the World Series. 1909, who can forget? Against, I think, the Boston Pilgrims. Oh. There was not a team named the Boston Pilgrims. Yeah, because they beat them in the World Series. Oh, good Lord. Um, the 1954 Yankees, 103 wins. The 1962 Dodgers, 102 wins. The 1961 Tigers, 101 wins. Like, see, I would honestly stop being a sports fan if my team won 100 games and didn't even make the playoffs. Oh, you and me know this with all of our struggles with our team lately. If our team won 100 games and missed the playoffs, that would be a disaster. My dad just texted me that 1978 was the Bucky Dunk game that knocked the Red Sox out of the playoffs. Is he listening? Yeah, that person listening, that's my mom. Oh, hello. I did not know that. I, I, I invited I her someone to was speak. So, well, I invited this is her to speak. Oh, really? Because I, I know that last time you did, you uh, invited, I, I truth be told, was the name Chase? Yeah. Is that who it was? Yeah. So, Chase joined us for the conversation, so I saw, I, I saw that there was someone. My phone's far away from me, and plugged into the outlet, and I saw that there was somebody here, and I was like, 
DJ's not not asking that. I, I just assumed it was somebody from line, so you knew. And I'm like, well, he's not asking them to join, so I guess I'll just leave it. No. But now, now I know why. Well, actually, you did invite them to join the conversation. I did. All right, 19. Ending with this. Actually, no. 1909 was the World Series. Pirates defeated Tigers 4-3. Yada yada yada. Whatever. Mm. But there was a World Series against the Boston Pilgrims. Very, very original name. We're gonna possibly come up with that. It was a Boston Pilgrims football team. Really? The first, the first article is the Boston Pilgrims never existed. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? I have no idea. The Boston Pilgrims. That's is Pilgrims problematic? No, it shouldn't be. Probably. Yeah, at least know. I, at least I don't know it to be yet. Boston, let's see, collection.baseball.org. Boston Pilgrims versus Pittsburgh Pirates: the Story of the First Modern World Series. Oh well, this is one of those stupid like websites where it's like, here's how you can buy the book. Nope. <laughs> well, yeah, we're not we're not doing that. No, absolutely but, not. All right. We'll wrap this up. We've been rambling a lot. Talks of football, yes. talks of baseball. Uh, next week, I guess we're going to have to start focusing in on the NFL more because we're not going to oh, have really? some meaningful college football to talk about for about uh, two or three weeks. So that'll be that's gonna be terrible for a little bit. But we will be talking about the NFL, which we have college football has been taking priority. Was that it, it, talking talking the NFL is going to be terrible because every team sucks this year. Well, that means that every team's in it. That's just what that means. Yeah, I agree. The Detroit Lions. So we are definitely going to be t- we're going to be talking about that. Uh, a lot of NFL talk coming up, uh, and obviously we will find something to talk about because that's just what we do. We'll probably find some. We'll find something on Twitter that'll get us going, and we'll go down a wormhole just like we usually do. But that and more all coming up next week, probably on a Wednesday. Maybe a Tuesday, but you can expect us in the middle of the week next week. Take care. Yep. Peace. Bye, Mom. Bye, Mrs. Corgan.